Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. I'm your host, Keith Patrick. Welcome back after a little bit of a break. We took a finals break as well at the podcast, and now we're back looking forward to the final regular season series as the Red Raiders prepare to host the TCU Horn Frogs. Of course, the Red Raiders are a half a game back of the Baylor Bears, half a game out of first place in the Big 12 Conference. And so to set up the weekend, the Red Raiders will be hosting TCU. TCU's fifth in the Big 12 currently, not really looking strong right now. The Horn Frogs lost a midweek game to Lamar 10-5 to in Fort Worth. And they also lost the third game, an opportunity for a sweep against the Kansas Jayhawks. So trending a little bit down for the TCU Horn Frogs has not been a great year for them. As far as the Baylor Bears go, they were also idle for finals, but they will be heading to Stillwater to play the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oklahoma State, after getting swept by Texas Tech, went to Corvallis, Oregon, and swept the Oregon State Beavers on their own field. So quite the performance by them. They followed that up with a Bedlam win against OU the following weekend. So Oklahoma State's RPI has shot up to 11 as they prepare to host the Bears. So really all the Red Raiders need to do this weekend is win one more game than Baylor, and they will lock up the Big 12 championship. Now there are some scenarios where Oklahoma State could sneak up and jump over Texas Tech to win the conference or to share it. But I think your most likely scenario is going to be Texas Tech at least winning the series, if not sweeping the Horn Frogs. And then the Baylor Bears, I would be willing to bet, will drop at least one in Stillwater. So the Red Raiders in a pretty good spot to at least get a share of the Big 12 title, if not win it outright. So around baseball, you're starting to see the Field of 64 projections come out. D1Baseball.com has projected Texas Tech most recently as as the 8 seed. So for those not familiar in college baseball, on Selection Monday, 16 seeds will be announced. Those 16 will be hosting their own regional. So three teams will join them at their home field, and you'll have 16 four-team tournaments around the country in the regional round. The winners of each of those will then go on to a super regional and play each other. The top eight out of that 16 are guaranteed to host in the super regional as well, as long as they, of course, win in advance. So, of course, it's advantageous for the Red Raiders to grab themselves one of the top eight national seeds and guarantee themselves a hosting in the regional, and if they advance, they'll host their own super regional as well. Now, Texas Tech has hosted all three of the super regionals it's been to in the three years it's gone to Omaha out of the last five. However, they were only a top eight national seed in 2016. In 2014, the Red Raiders played their regional in Coral Gables, Florida against Miami. They upset Miami and won that regional, and then they won the bid to host the Super Regional in part due to facilities, and they hosted the College of Charleston right here in Lubbock, Texas. In 2016, the Red Raiders were a top eight national seed, and they did all of their hosting regional and super regional here. In 2018, the Red Raiders were not a national seed. They were the nine seed. 
So, of course, they won their regional advance to the Super. However, because Duke upset the Athens-Georgia regional and Texas Tech was seeded higher, they were able to have Duke come to Lubbock and host that Super Regional. If Georgia had won their own regional, the Red Raiders would have been headed to Athens to face the Georgia Bulldogs in that Super. So it is advantageous, obviously. Texas Tech's 23-5 and on the season at home, so it's definitely a positive thing to be able to play in Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. But D1Baseball.com projecting Texas Tech currently as the eight seed, and then having New Mexico State, Duke, and Cal coming into the Lubbock Regional. So not a bad one to see there. I would imagine that a rematch with the Duke Blue Devils in the Super Regional would be pretty rowdy. I think Tech fans would have those coaches for lunch if they came back to Lubbock. Baseball America has also projected Texas Tech as the eight seed, hosting Missouri, Duke, and New Mexico State. Missouri, obviously, the different team there as the two seed. Now, Missouri is a dangerous team out of the SEC. That would be a tough draw for the Red Raiders. And then Perfect Game has also projected the field of 64. They didn't project all of the regionals, but they did project Texas Tech as the seven seed. Now, the important thing to remember around this seeding One, it's not determined by RPI. That is a metric that the committee looks at. Texas Tech's RPI is currently number nine, but it's not an automatic. So there are teams that will be in the teens in RPI that will be pulled up into higher seedings based on their resume. It just depends on what the committee looks at. They do like to look at wins against the top 25, which Texas Tech is four and three. They like to look at wins against the top 50. They like to look at wins against the top 100. And then anything beyond that, the committee actually frowns on. So if you start looking at a record against 100 to 150 or 200, those can count against a team as they realize that they're not playing the strength of schedule that they should be. So Tech is 15 and 6 against the top 50, and they're 28 and 12 against the RPI top 100. So their strength of schedule generally sits in the teens to low 20s, ranked nationally. That's pretty strong. Their non-conference strength of schedule is in the higher teens, and their non-conference RPI is also very high. So those are all positives for the Red Raiders as they've played a difficult schedule throughout the season. They've played teams from every Power 5 conference. They've played on the road. They've played neutral site. All of the things that they need to do to build a good resume. Tim Tadlock and his staff are very intentional about the games they're playing, the tournaments they're playing in. The Red Raiders are not going to find themselves in a bunch of neutral site games against bad RPI teams if they can help it because they need to make sure that their RPI is strong and that they're testing themselves and building a good resume for the committee because that top eight national seed is very important. The Red Raiders have also only played eight games in that lower tier, that bottom 100. They're six and two in those games, so that's not bad at all to have a few. And the committee also understands that in midweek games, sometimes you just do what you can from a regional standpoint. Lubbock, of course, being a little bit more geographically isolated, you're going to be playing New Mexico, New Mexico State, UTRGV as they travel through, things like that. You also can't always control it. You schedule a team like Stetson, who last year was a super regional team, kind of the Cinderella of the tournament, and now you don't expect them to just lose everything as they go through the season and have such a tough year. So that's not something that the Red Raiders can help, but of course they can get the wins as they have the opportunities. Some other news going on for the Red Raiders. Josh Young has been named to the Golden Spikes Award semifinalist list, so he's among the 25 players that will be considered for that award as well. So not a whole lot to report. This team, as I said, was idle for finals. Not a lot has happened 
for them, but there are some things going on around college baseball as teams continue to play. The one other kind of X factor in all of this is to think about the other teams around Texas Tech in that national seeding conversation. Stanford is close in that seeding. Some have them projected as a 10, some as the 8. It just depends. Georgia, Georgia Tech, and Louisville are all close to Texas Tech in that seeding conversation. So probably not going to get a lot of help with Georgia dropping as they're facing Alabama, who's tied at the bottom of the SEC. Probably not going to get a lot of help when it comes to Georgia Tech either. They're facing Pitt, who is the last team in the ACC, and they're facing them at home. However, Louisville is a little bit of an interesting story. They lost their last series against Virginia, so a little bit of a surprise for them. But Indiana has been a fairly solid team, and they beat them in the midweek by one run. They'll be hosting Florida State in their season series finale. Florida State is not the Florida State of old. They are probably going to make the tournament, but they're not world beaters this season. However, it's Mike Martin's final season. Their coach that's been there as a fixture in college baseball for a very long time. So it'll be an emotional series as the final regular season for him. The team will will be playing with a chip on their shoulder trying to make something happen for that team and for Coach Martin. I think there's a possibility there that the Knowles can jump up and bite Louisville. If they do, that could be very positive for Texas Tech to really help bump them up into that eight or even seven seed range. And then Stanford, and then Stanford is an interesting story. And I think Texas Tech has an automatic win over them when it comes to tournament seeding. They are a little bit buffed in their rankings right now. Some have them as high as three in the country. I just can't understand that mindset when you look at the metrics. Their RPI is 14, but their non-conference RPI is 26. Their strength of schedule is 112. Their non-conference strength of schedule is 155. They just don't look good when you look at those things and the teams they're playing. They're only one and two against the top 25. They're three and three against the top 50. They've played 21 games against teams below RPI 100. That is really, really weak. That's a lot of games. They're 18 and three in those games, but that's a lot of those games to play. So I really am not impressed with with their body of work on the season. Yes, they have some wins, and I understand they're playing in their conference. What more can you ask of them? But they really haven't done a lot. There's not a lot to hang their hat on. And this weekend, they will be playing host to Oregon State. So there's a potential the Beavs come in, make a bunch of noise against... Stanford, get on the road and try to get back right. And then you could have Stanford really dropping significantly. That could be a big positive. They also still have to play a series against Arizona State on the road. Arizona State, one of the most explosive offensive teams in the country with Spencer Torkelson there. So that could be really a big one as far as Stanford dropping down. Now, Oregon State... I think there was a good win for the Cowboys, a good sweep. It's been positive for Texas Tech to have an opponent doing that. I think Oregon State's been a little bit exposed. They just don't seem to have the offensive production this season to be competitive late in the season. So I'm wondering if they were not a little bit buffed in the rankings and then Oklahoma State went up and exposed them at home. They had lost a two-game on the road to Nevada, also lost to a pretty bad Gonzaga team. So 
teams without the offensive production start to get exposed late in the season, and that may be what happened with Oregon State. Texas A&M is another example of that. And there have been some projections that have projected Texas A&M in the Lubbock Regional, as well as Texas State in the Lubbock Regional, which is a very dangerous three-seed or four-seed to be coming into Lubbock. Texas State is a really salty team this year, and that would not be a fun one to have to knock out at home or otherwise. So let's dive in briefly and talk about the TCU Horn Frogs, and we'll call this thing done. TCU has not had the season that I think they expected to have. They're twenty-eight and twenty-two overall. They're ten and twelve in conference play. They've lost two in a row, as I mentioned, to Lamar, and then back to the final game of that Kansas series. They're only sixteen and eleven at home, and they're eight and eight on the road. Just not a great season for them. They hung their hat big on a single game win over Vanderbilt, who was number one at the time early in the season. They also beat Virginia in that early tournament, but since then just have not really been able to put together anything particularly exciting. They lost to A&M, lost to Rice big. They have beaten up on Stephen F. Austin. They did take a series against Long Beach State, but the Dirtbags just not what they have been in the past this season. Not a lot for them to hang their hat on. They did win a series over Texas, which the Red Raiders obviously struggled with, but Texas has slid all the way off the map. They have been officially eliminated from the Big 12 tournament. The Big 12 tournament takes eight teams. There are only nine baseball teams in Big 12 play, and Texas is the team staying home. So from the College World Series to not even making your own conference tournament, that is probably something that will also happen to the Florida Gators, a team that is really struggling this year. So the Horn Frogs, when you look at the stats, you can see where they struggle, and it is definitely in the pitching. Nick Lodolo continues to be an ace for them. He will most likely pitch Thursday. I'd be surprised if he didn't. They need to pitch him as early in the series as they can, so he's ready to go for the Big 12 tournament, which starts next week. Lodolo's got a 239 ERA on the season. His whip is an impressive 98.98. He's 6-4. and four. On the season, no saves. He has 83 innings pitched, which leads the team. He has the most innings pitched out of starters, but has given up the least hits. He has 62 hits, also the lowest runs, only 32. Of course, he has the best ERA. His walk to strikeout ratio is 19 to 100 Ks. He leads the next closest TCU pitcher by almost a factor of two when it comes to strikeouts. He's only given up 14 extra base hits all season. That's better overall than most of the other pitchers' double numbers. And he's faced more than 50 more at-bats. So he's really been strong. He has struggled a little bit with command. He has eight HBPs through the season, so that can be a little bit frustrating and something to look at. It's going to be a big environment. That Thursday night's going to be rocking at Dan Law Field. It's going to be beautiful weather. I think people will come out in droves to see that game. That's going to be the big one. Uh, facing Nick Lodolo, who has had the Red Raiders number, Coach Tadlock talked about that in the press availability. He's a guy that they need to jump on early and run from that game, and the crowd will be a big part of that. After that, you look at Charles King. He's got a 314 ERA. 
Definitely nothing to sneeze at. A 115 whip. He has been pretty solid through 66 innings. He's got a 4 and 2 record, also has a save. And then Brandon Williamson, he's got a 421 ERA, a whip of 150 and 62 innings pitch. But really, from a number standpoint, nobody can touch what Lodolo is doing. And there's a name you may remember Jared Janzak, somebody that the Red Raiders had seen in years past that was really a strong pitcher for TCU. Not a great season for Janzak. He's got an 0-2 record. He's got a whip of two, which you don't see a whole lot, and a 6.65 ERA, the worst on the staff. So I would assume you will not be seeing Jared Janzak. He has 23 innings pitched on the season. Maybe he will hop in at some point. He's only appeared in nine games. He has seven starts. When you look at the offensive production for TCU, as with many teams, there's a clear leader. Jake Gunther's got a 366 batting average. His OPS is a 1.075. He really is strong for them. He leads them in hits with 64. He's near the top in run scored at 38. He is not their leadoff batter. He only has 175 at-bats. There are other batters that have seen 20 more at-bats than he has He also is tied for the lead in home runs with eight, but that is a little bit low for a team of TCU's talent level and caliber. They don't have anyone in the double digits in home runs, not hitting with a ton of power. Very few triples down the list, no one with more than two. So Gunther does lead in total bases with 103. He's got 37 RBI on the season. Some others close on his heels, 33-32, but of course nothing to the Red Raiders who have Big 12 leaders in Cam Warren with 65-plus RBI. The last I looked, the Red Raiders had the top three or four RBI numbers in the entire Big 12. Just unbelievable how many runs they've been batting in. Gunther's got a 589 slugging percentage. That leads the team. Only a couple of other guys in the 500s. 513 for Josh Watson and 527 for Johnny Reiser. But really... Only three guys hitting above 300, those three that I just mentioned. No one else really making as big an impact at the plate. Gunther, obviously the most consistent of those, but just a team that's really been struggling throughout the season and not making a lot of things happen for their team. So as far as these games go, they will all be at 6.30. So finally, here at the end of the season, when the weather is really nice, you'll have three night games in a row at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. The Thursday night game, 6.30, it'll be on Fox Sports Southwest. Of course, you can find on the radio, Texas Tech Sports Network, Double T 97.3 and their mobile app. On Friday, also 6.30 on Fox Southwest Plus, And then on Saturday at 6.30 on ESPNU. Looking forward to these games, looking forward to being back out at the ballpark. I've missed a fair amount of baseball recently with some family health things going on, and I'm looking forward to being out there. I am excited, though. Just a little shout-out, the Friendship Tigers, who I do color analysis for on the radio. They are making a run in the playoffs. They're in the third round this weekend playing Euless Trinity in the regional quarterfinals, that'll be at Midland College. So looking forward to calling those games, looking forward to see what the Tigers can do. Lots of good things going on around in baseball. Tiger softball is already past their regional quarterfinal round. They're heading to the regional semis. Really proud of what those young ladies are doing as well. 
So it's a lot of fun right now, a lot of fun. West Texas baseball is a lot better, I think, than people realize. It's a great area for baseball and for recruiting. It's fun to watch those kids get out there and play. It's really pure form of baseball out there playing hard, playing for each other, real brotherhood that they build together. So it's a lot of fun. But these Red Raiders are poised. They have the opportunity to go in and take care of work. Thursday night's a Coach Tadlock jersey giveaway night. Saturday night, senior night for your lone senior, Cameron Warren. He'll be honored on Saturday. Big opportunity for the Red Raiders. Get a Big 12 title. Set themselves up to be a top eight national seed. And once again, to not care at all about the Big 12 tournament, which is always a nice feeling. In my opinion, and I know there are some other scenarios I do think if the Red Raiders go take care of business this weekend, if Baylor does drop one or two in Stillwater, Texas Tech is the Big 12 champion, and I think that solidifies that top eight national seed for them. That proves that their momentum is carrying all the way through from Baylor to Oklahoma State to OU and then to TCU. They're playing the right baseball at the right time. If they can push through that finals break and still maintain the momentum, that would be very positive. It shows the committee that they're not a pretender, which I think the committee has some pretty good faith in Tim Tadlock teams at this point. But I think that gets it done. If you go to the Big 12 tournament, make it to the weekend, get a couple wins under your belt, that certainly solidifies it. But in my opinion, win the title, Take care of business against TCU, and you should be in pretty good shape, especially considering who other teams are facing that are around you in that hosting conversation. So I don't think there's anything Texas Tech could do at this point to lose the opportunity to host the regional, but I do think they can boost their resume with this weekend, and I think that they're going to do it. So I have faith. I feel like these guys are taking care of business. I'm excited to watch them play, excited to see the weekend of baseball. I'm going to let you go early. Don't have a lot more else to talk about. No games to recap after the break. Not going to sit here and babble about the same thing. So we'll let you go. I'll see you this weekend. And if I don't see you before then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me